basic spirit around we have like a creator who created like an ad for us that outperformed all all our ads that we created internally by i think it was like a factor Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Today with me, we have Zeb Farman. There is a co-founder and CEO of Lightrix. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. How are you, first of all? How is your week started? Started off great. Thank you. Amazing. Uh, and so... You know, usually what I do it is that I just start in a couple of minutes for the audience to know who you are. I mean, Lightrix is well known for the apps being, you know, got millions of downloads. But if you just in a couple of minutes tell a bit more about yourself, what did you build so that people can just, you know, have a quick overview? And, and then I'm going to ask you another, another little thing on that. And then we go, you know, more, more in detail and in depth about things that are happening in the industry. But yes, who are you and what did you yeah. build? So Lightrix is a company mostly known for its kind of award winning apps such as Facetune, Videolip, Photolip. We're basically building tools for creators, mostly on mobile to express themselves. And my personal background is in computer science. I did my PhD and uh, like most of my research was somewhere kind of on the border between computer graphics, image processing, computer vision. And at some point I kind of realized that while you're doing academic research, you know, like a bunch of people are going to read your paper, but it's not going to have uh, any kind of broad impact mm -hmm. on the world. And also your financial situation is going to be challenging for a while. So yeah. with a group of friends, we decided to kind of switch from academia to, to the industry. We kind of co-founded Lightfix. It was a bootstrap company for a bunch of years, kind of grew on the profits from the apps. At some point, we started kind of to attract uh, venture funding, and uh, yeah, I guess that's our story in a nutshell. And uh, let me also ask you this. So again, you said several apps uh, that many people, especially listening to this podcast, uh, most probably either used or they have seen templates online in tutorials, maybe on TikTok or like you know on on YouTube, Instagram, and so on. But let me ask you this because this is what I ask all the time to entrepreneurs. Uh, because I want to show that, you know, building a business is not an easy thing. Uh, too many videos online out there are like, you know, taking like, you know, to this path that is, it's easy and, you know, takes like no time and it's like completely wrong, I would say. So let me just ask you this before we get, uh, you know, in the topics of today. What is the scrappiest things that you have to do while building a business? Because each entrepreneur, I like, you know, has a different story. What, what is yours? Listen, like we were a bootstrap company, so kind of think that we have maybe more stories like that than uh, maybe like the kind of average uh, kind of startup in tech. But let's kind of uh, remember some early days. So again, like imagine that initially no kind of no funding at all, meaning that we, you know, the students had like PhD students had to put some money in, and then we were like working in a kind of proverbial garage. Like even buying an additional table was a huge expense. So that, that, that was like the kind of considerations in the beginning. And uh, when we initially released Facetune, or where we had like an initial battle, the app kind of wanted to uh, make sure that some journalists cover it, like people who are into tech, etc. And obviously no one answered our calls. So one of our co-founders who was based in New York back then, basically was kind of following a bunch of journalists on Twitter. And these guys sometimes were like telling on Twitter where they are. 
the moment, you know, like, okay, I'm sitting this office shop in Soho. So he was actually rushing there, trying to kind of stop them face to face and teach them like the, the app and, and explain it. So that was like from really early days. But even like after initial success, we were a bootstrap company for a while. So the team started to grow. So we needed some offices and we basically couldn't afford anything at all. So we decided to renovate abandoned student dorms in Hebrew. So that was kind of funny. Imagine like buildings abandoned for like 20 years that no one uses. And the, the rent was like really dirty cheap. Because again, it was basically uh, it was basically ruined. So we kind of renovated it, and over time, again, like we started to uh, kind of create nice gardens around it. And now it's actually like a super nice place, but uh, <laughs> it started kind of really low in terms of uh, real estate. Wow, like you know, there is a lot of physical work even behind a tech company, right? That people, <laughs> people don't realize, right? You think that it's all coding, but yeah. it's actually renovating a space, you know, sometimes. Yeah, initially we had like to water the, the plants that we kind of put around the, the building ourselves. Yeah, that was <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that because, again, you know, I want just to give the sense that like, even like you know, for a multi million dollar company, there is uh, again, there is people behind, right? That have been go through maybe things that people don't even know. So, thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, you started this like was around 20, 2013, is it correct? Please tune. And so now it's almost like 10 years, right? That I've been in the, in the industry uh, making things. And so let me ask you this, like uh, how in, in your opinion did, you know, the, the mindset of content creators change it in, in the past years, right? From maybe going from, I do this just for fun. I make content because I love doing that to going maybe to actually there is an opportunity in terms of monetary value there. So how did you see that changing? It's like if we circle back 10 years ago, being a social media influencer wasn't even a thing, right? Like go, the early days of Facebook, we actually connected to our friends and family, right? Like, uh, like social media influencer wasn't a, a thing yet. Mm -hmm. uh, over time, and I think like a lot of creators initially, it was really a hobby for them. They created cool content. They built uh, over time a social media following. And for a long time, it was like really kind of just for fun. And I think what happened in the past couple of years is that people start to realize, okay, wait a second, we built a significant following. We are actually the engagement driver of a social media platform. We kind of want to see something out of it. We want to elevate something that started as a hobby to a source of income. Maybe we can make a living out of it. And uh, these days when we're the, like doing these questionnaires inside the apps, we're asking people, listen, like, why are you using our apps? Like, do you have like a ton of free alternatives? Most of the users are interested in some kind of monetization, right? It could be like really social media influencers that are interested to create content that kind of stands above the noise. It could be like small businesses, people in, that who are into e-commerce and trying to sell their merchandise online. A, the kind of pure hobbies, people that we have a ton of initiatives, you know, they're just kind of exploring stuff, etc. Like they're percentage in the overall kind of speed of users in deep kind of lower these days. So again, is that when the company would think about functionality, about roadmap, etc., more and more we kind of take into account the needs of people who are using tools to create content in order to monetize and something. And, and, you know, like a lot of the times I think that, especially on media, uh, maybe not now, right, but a few years ago, they were always just talking about the big, content creators, right? The ones that were making, you know, like, you know, like the 1% make it a 90% plus, right? But finally, 
finally, we're seeing that even the mid-class, right, of content creators are actually can make it like a living, can have like stable income. And uh, some of them, they are maybe creating like small companies, LLC, right, uh, to treat themselves as not just anymore like just freelancers, but actually as, um, as an entity out there. So how, how are you helping mid-class, right, to achieve their goals uh, and getting more like stables? Uh, I, I also remember that you guys did like a really cool activation of Bitcoin. I was there. I remember there was, there was the lounge. So I can see that you're trying to write bridge between uh, like not just the big ones, but also mid-class. So what are your initiatives lately to help them? Like, I think if we're kind of taking a step back, I think it's almost the biggest question around creators' economy at large, if there is a big kind of middle class and how big it is, right? Because obviously AAA influencer, people who everyone kind of knows, they're obviously making a ton of money. It's kind of less of an issue. But what about people who amass the following of 10,000, 100,000 followers, right? Like how do we monetize that? And again, in my opinion, it's an open question. Obviously, we hear a lot of success stories, right? People sometimes, even like with the niche community, but it's like super engaged for, for some reason, are able to, to kind of make a decent living out of it. But kind of at large, in my opinion, it's unresolved question, right? Like, I don't think that at the moment, at least that's, again, what uh, we understand from interacting with our users. It's kind of clear to them. Okay, I, I got to a certain scale of following on social media. Kind of what's next? Like, what do I do in order to kind of get some traction? And uh, the solution that the platforms provide. Okay, let, let's say you got like some YouTube following. Yeah, you, you can get something out of ads, etc. But typically, in order to make like a living out of it, you you need some kind of you know kind of crazy amount of views, crazy amount of followers. And even that is sometimes challenging, right? Like we're seeing like these tweaks that the platforms are doing and their kind of internal algorithm, how they say uh, kind of how they serve content. And then as a creator, you can be in a situation where, okay, you build some following, but at some point you realize that even people who follow you are, aren't necessarily seeing your posts, right? So like the whole thing is kind of still, kind of still in motion. And what we are trying to figure out is uh, what are additional ways that we can help content creators to monetize our content, right? And the big themes here are, I would say, the, the interaction between brand and kind of brands and content creators, because obviously brands are constantly looking for new opportunities to expand how they do marketing. And there are obviously a ton of money on the table there, right? There are like these estimates that this year, I think it was like uh, the estimate was the, that was done by Forbes that there are 15 to 20 billion dollars kind of on the table that brands are willing to spend on influencer marketing. So that, that sounds great, but it's not exactly kind of a resolved issue because there is like a ton of friction in the process that again we can discuss. But anyhow, we see a huge opportunity there. There is like a money that's waiting on the brand side. They realize that kind of content creator is it's like a new way to advertise that's kind of more relevant to what's going on at the moment. That's one bucket. Another bucket are kind of um, and opportunities for creators in specific domains to kind of offer their skills, right? So for example, video creation is becoming like this huge thing. Still, most of the people aren't kind of great videographers. So we're trying to figure out how within our apps, we can make sure that people who are great at video editing can offer their skills to people who are not doing that, right? So we introduced like this concept of uh, templates. That's something that uh, indeed, as you mentioned, we, uh, promoted during VidCon, where uh, 
people can kind of create cool templates that other people can reuse. So again, if you're an experienced videographer, you're creating like a project, you can share it with the community. Uh, we are starting to also to offer to top creators to basically sell their templates to other users. And another opportunity here is that brands can also create their templates. And then uh, con content creators can try to collaborate with brands really easily. Instead of like, kind of working in town and creating a specific content, you can take a brand template, add your top kind of content there. If the brand is happy, you're going to get paid, right? So like, a ton of uh, friction is removed. Anyhow, like I kind of start rambling here, but yeah, like definitely monetization is a huge issue, and that's what we're trying. Hey, quick break. This podcast is hosted by the Influencer Marketing Factory. We are an influencer marketing agency that helps brands and companies engage with Gen Z and millennials on social media. We take care of influencer identification, storytelling, creativity, negotiation, contracting, campaign management, error analysis, in-depth reporting, content boosting, and much, much more. Are you interested in learning more? You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or you can Google The Influencer Marketing Factory. I, I like the idea of the like reusable content mostly because as you said before, you know, uh, sometimes uh, uh, content creators have to come up with new ideas all the single time. It, it takes time, right, for them uh, to, to think about things. But uh, also, like the reusable content could be an interesting, actually, uh, like, you know, concept because uh, you can actually scale, right? So you can make money even if you're sleeping, right? Uh, that is the concept of uh, multiply yourself, right? So I like the idea of the templates because uh, you can, uh, again, you can you can be there even if you're not physically there, right? And I think that we have seen this in the past, like, you know, and even now with uh, online courses and professionals that are selling, right? Uh, things like that, right? So... Uh, exactly. This is like what, what someone once told me is that... Uh... As long as you're selling your hours, you're not really an entrepreneur just yet, right? Yeah. So you need to figure out exactly like what you mentioned, how you can create something that's kind of uh, easily replicable and that generates something for you even with yourself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like it, I know that it's like it's, it's it's a concept that many like entrepreneurs, right? Like as you said, if you, if you are still selling your time, right, you don't really have a structure. You don't have an infrastructure there, right? Because it's you. If all the time, what I say all the time, like, what if you remove yourself from that? Like, is gonna are you still gonna make money? If this answer is no, then it means that you are still right the the, the focus of everything. While you have to detach yourself some somehow, right? You know, like this point actually bring like brings me to our discussion about like this middle class of content creators. One of the problems that we are kind of seeing more and more these days when we have like have more and more people who are trying to make a living out of it is actually a burnout, right? Like some people create a huge following over time, but at some point they're just like, wait a second, I've, it, it was fun, but now I'm like working 24 seven in order to maintain what I've built already. And that's like really selling your hours on steroids, right? And then they're obviously like re-incentivized kind of try to figure out like how they can leverage their following to something that's not gonna, you know, kind of ruin every upper corner of their life. So, and we saw things like that, right? The beauty influencers creating their uh, like beauty lines, right? Like like really kind of real world cosmetic, etc. But I, I still don't think there is like a general solution to this problem. Right? So and that's an interesting problem to tackle. Yeah, yeah. Well, when when it's said about like you know twenty four seven, like <laughs> it reminds me of this meme that I saw online. It was like I quit my nine to five, so now I can work twenty four seven. 
No, but listen, it's exactly that, right? And then you kind of start to realize, oh, I'm like not, not posting during the weekend. And then, you know, I start the week and then, anyhow, yeah, like uh, it's, it's a big problem and uh, with no solution inside. Yeah, I know, I know. But again, like, you know, we're, we're working on that, right? To get to a solution where um, everyone can, again, you know, make what they love and try to get that balance between still content creation and also all that, everything there because sometimes content creators as you just said now they started with the idea of creating content because that's what they love but then you get into a lot of other things that you did you didn't even know when you started right and it's like bureaucracy and set up things and taxes there is so much more and then sometimes people are like i'm not creating content anymore i'm actually doing all these other things right <laughs> as a priority and i don't make content anymore exactly listen in the u.s i think even like the health insurance is an mm -hmm. issue right like some people forget that right a lot of things that you need to cover when you're generating some absolutely yeah. absolutely no there is there is there is a lot that you know you don't think when you start making content and then you're sterilizing so but i think that slowly slowly right we're getting to some sort of it even just not like uh, uh, getting like um, platforms out there but even just the education side right that is missing sometimes Right. No, this, that's exactly that. I mean, sometimes people ask us why we kind of collaborate with really big influencers like the Middles family, etc. And part of that is actually education, right? Like both for us to figure out what the best practices are from people who are really successful and hopefully help our creators to figure out these, uh, these things as well. And, like, and with that, I kind of completely agree. Like we're in a different uh, situation where like a couple of years ago where everyone kind of trying to figure out, you know, things for themselves at, at the moment yeah, it feels different at least we kind of as a community realize what the problems are and what the best practices are so yeah in that sense it feels like and and how do you see like you know also because we already discussed about this right like the the, the brand creator collaborations right they're changing and nowadays we know there is this like economic instability so sometimes marketing is cut up like some other times it, like there is a decrease in budgets uh, but uh, I wanted to ask you, like, uh, how do you still see the power of user-generated content, you know, especially nowadays compared to maybe those, uh, uh, like, you know, let's call it formal media production where you need, like, 20, 30 people as a crew. You need, like, uh, legal involved. You need uh, insurance on, the, on, on, on site and so on. So do you still uh, think there is, like, more opportunity nowadays for U U UGC, uh, especially, again, because now there is all this instability. So how do you see it uh, um, potentially... Um, not even changed, but how do you see it evolving in, in the next uh, year? So listen, first of all, you're completely right. It, uh, at the moment, it seems that a lot of brands are cutting their kind of marketing spend. So like, there is no way out of it. There are going to be like uh, maybe less these like direct collaborations like that, that we saw in the past, etc. But I think also there is like kind of a big opportunity table because brands like think about like CMOs of the companies like they're, they're constantly trying to figure out more efficient ways to to market their products and I think influencers and content creators on social media is exactly the outlet that it might need right and because like this diversification that you're getting that, that you're basically kind of outsourcing your marketing to a lot of creatives can be kind of a huge win for everyone it's going to make a like the CMOs will still be able to reduce their marketing budgets, but content creators are still going to have like this nice outlets and going to get paid, right? Like uh, if you're going kind of going to talk to brands and asking, listen, guys, how much you're willing to pay for a piece of content? So 
let's say, I don't know, like we're talking about like short video where someone kind of shows the products, right? Like, don't be happy to do an experiment where paying like hundreds, sometimes thousand dollars for a piece of content that performs decently well for them. And we'll see like different brands, different KPIs around performance. And when you're going to creator side, getting, you know, like hundreds of dollars for like one piece of content that's not overly challenging to create because you're like in this world anyway, you know, that's kind of at least something. And again, we're talking about like middle class here, right? People who are till a certain point kind of not get paid at all. So there I kind of see an actual opportunity even in shrinking economy because still brands have like a huge budgets and they're looking forward how to basically outsource a whole lot of that, right? And uh, here I think still like the connection to creators uh, completely makes sense. And, and so it, absolutely interesting. I mean, like I, I, I can see that especially one time I did like little calculation, a, easy one, okay, but like just compare like the Super Bowl between media production and just like, you know, paying for that compared to the same thing that you can have with content creators. I know it's two different things, it's Apple and Pears, like you cannot really compare. But it's crazy sometimes that you can get, and also it's a different type of like relationship that you have, like content creator, someone that maybe you, you either trust, like, you know, because they are like, you know, or like, let's say the influencers are the one that you trust, the content creators are the one that you follow because of their content. And, and you get like a different relationship, like a different peer relationship, right? Uh, between them and a celebrity, maybe on TV. Personally, I'll give you like an example that we have internally as a company, right? Like we obviously have our own uh, creative kind of marketing creative team that, uh, creates ads for our apps, and, but we're also these days are kind of customers of an internal system that kind of connects brands to, to creators. And uh, in the first experiment around, we had like a creator who created like an ad for us that outperformed all, all our ads that we created internally by, I think it was like a factor of like four or five. It's kind of crazy. Meaning like, you know, you compare like really apples to apples, you're like taking a piece of content, you start to promote it on your social media accounts. And in this case, we're actually looking for, you know, how many uh, subscribers you're getting kind of down the line from like these two campaigns, right? So there's like really kind of very principal comparison between two campaigns. And yeah, like the get, we, the get, the ad that we got kind of from the outside, like really outperforming. And also like the volume that the content that you can get is kind of really staggering. So when we started to run like this kind of aggregated calculations, it seems it kind of really makes sense. So we kind of already reached out to a bunch of other brands and kind of trying to explain that this concept with Tenor, listen guys, there are like a ton of creators outside that even if you're like a great, you know, kind of creative marketing team, these guys will still be able to kind of expand the range of ideas that you have internally to create something really cool for you. And it like really makes sense to explore. Yeah. So it's again, like really obviously kind of new con like new concept, but uh, we're kind of bullish on No, it. absolutely. Like, you know, you, you might need both, especially depend what type of company you are. But what I say all the time, it is that as you correctly said now, this uh, content creator can bring on the table new things, right? That maybe your team hasn't think of. And the second thing I, I would say also, they know their audience uh, sometimes even better than the company itself. You know what I mean? Because the company maybe has sometimes like certain layers, right? Between you and the customer, even if you do service and everything. But these people, right? Content creators and influencers, they talk with their audience every single day. And they have this relationship where they have like unfiltered type of like feedback. And, and they, they spend 18 hours of their day, like, you know, on social media, they know what is happening. They know what people want to see and the do's and don'ts, right? So they know better yeah. sometimes. 
Well, like in the end of the day, let, let's say you're kind of a big brand and even you have like a super talented people working for you, for them it's again like more of the work environment, right? Like for creators, like somehow like we will see that we're able to create content that looks kind of like, frankly kind of more legit. And especially, you know, if you're like the, the creators who are kind of only willing to collaborate with kind of brands and campaigns that are exciting to them, that, that's a really kind of matchmaking happen. By the way, that, that kind of ties back to what we discussed about best practices. Uh, I think as a creator, and again, I don't know like, if the advice makes sense, but if you have like an opportunity to collaborate with a bunch of different brands, etc., you should always like try and you know, work on things that you're like excited about, like figure out what brands you think are creating kind of cool products that you can like really stand behind and, you know, try to work with these guys, like no need to, <laughs> because again, like frankly, the content is going to be better. Like, I, I agree. Uh, like, don't be, like, don't be afraid to try new things and, and, and sometimes trust the process, right? And trust the people, right? Because they, they might know better. And uh, so, you know, be, before we said that we went from, you know, 30, 50, 100 people to make a video than to a person like, you know, in their room, right, with just a camera. And now we're moving from even that. I know it's not new as a concept because it's not new, definitely not new. But it's, let's say that now it's on media, right, and, and it's like getting to the, to the public. It's uh, AI, right, to generate content. We saw that from, you know, just beginning like as text, you know, like uh, text to text, like spinning content, that we went to text to image. Uh, they become like with Dali and some others like really popular. And now I saw that Google and others are also working on uh, text to video. So again, it's not a new thing, but it's, it's new for the, for the, for the public, I would say. And it's, it's making a revolution in the space somehow. So I wanted to ask you this, um, is it something that can actually help content creators? It is something that is gonna, um, I would say like disrupt many jobs out there. Like if I'm thinking about Fiverr or other like websites, right? You go there, it's the gig economy. You can go there and finding something because they're gonna spend time on making that. Nowadays you can just be there and be like, I want like a, a you know a dog with a you know pizza hat on the moon, and then in a second you're gonna get uh, hundreds of variations. So how do you see that? Like first of all, what do you think about AI to generate uh, content? First of all. So it's like, I think this like generative AI, it's the most exciting kind of piece of tech in our industry that we saw in the, the last 10 years. Frankly, like since we established the company, I can't remember any kind of single piece of tech that was like so disruptive to, to what we're doing. So from that perspective, yeah, I kind of, I'm one of the believers. I think that is going to change how we do things. But in this kind of discussion that uh, these days becomes sometimes like really heated between artists and people who are like pushing this generative uh, kind of AI algorithmic content, actually, like what I think is going to happen is that, yeah, initially there is going to be some disruption. People who are doing certain uh, kind of design gigs on Fiverr, yes, the AI is going to take care of it, right? Like, I don't know, let's think already about like use cases, it's kind of clear that something like in the past we have like colorizers, people who are like taking black and white photos and creating, you know, like a colorful photo out of them, restoring old photos, etc. Yes, like with this uh, kind of new tech, you will able to get like really decent quality for free. So 
it's probably going to impact what we're doing like initially. A lot of gigs on Fiverr and all these like kind of platforms are like around creating like logos or like designs for your business, etc. And yes, these things they are going to be disrupted because uh, definitely we're going to soon be at the point where kind of basic vector graphics can, can be created using the systems. Longer term, I actually think everything is going to be fine because what we typically see is that uh, every time we have some kind of breakthrough in design, like the appetite of consumers for even kind of higher quality design kind of grows, right? Like uh, when, uh, I don't know, when we... Let's go to the advent of Photoshop somewhere in the kind of uh, 80s, right? Okay, it was also a disruptive piece of tech. Before that, people worked with physical tools and kind of... Uh, it was a new concept. People thought that it's going to, you know, like uh, significant disruption. But obviously, designers as a creative class definitely grew since then. I think what will happen over time is that kind of best designers will integrate AI inside their flows. And also, only if you're kind of scouting all these like cutting-edge communities of, you know, like Dali and Stable Diffusion on like Discord and uh, Reddit, etc. You already see like some people who are like really artists and designers were able to take this kind of piece of tech and build a ton on top of it. And actually what we are excited at the moment as a toolmakers to do kind of just that. Okay, AI is cool, it's definitely not going to solve all the design problems, but if you kind of package right, if you create like the right tools around it, it can make uh, designers and content creators kind of amazingly more kind of efficient. So you know, I'm aware of a lot of the heated discussion that we're seeing online around it, but kind of a long-term thing, we're gonna just, just gonna be more appetite around design and content creation. Again, like, think about metaverse as a concept, like forget about like what but maybe Matt are trying at the moment to do with it. Like in order to create the kind of live, kind of vibrant virtual worlds, you need to create like a crazy amount of content, right? And there, like for example, I really see how AI can be a game changer. Where, for example, like, think about it in indie studio, right? Like these guys don't have like a crazy budget to create all kind of content by themselves these days. AI there can be like super helpful. You're going to create some basic kind of pieces, and the AI is going to fill all the blanks for you. So, like, I'm, I'm actually really bullish on this direction. I think in the long term, both the designers and consumers and content creators will be benefited from this. No, and, and I do agree. I mean, like, it's, it's innovation. It's been always be there, right? What was that, that saying? Like, if uh, the one about, like, uh, going from horses to cars, like, we, we would have, like, uh, faster horses yeah, like, that? Exactly. Before that, like, if you ask the kind of customers, are going to ask for, yeah, right? faster. I mean, like, I mean... <laughs> Like, again, like all the time, right, people are like a bit afraid of that, like, oh, what about these type of jobs and so on. But uh, again, I've always been there, right? And, and I, I, I do agree that can, uh, can potentially help. Will not necessarily in the, in the first years solve everything because you still need the potentially like, you know, a, a human being like, you know, behind that to, to do things. But uh, still, you know, we have seen a lot of things that actually became like, you know, popular. We have automation. Uh, from easy things like Google Sheets with formulas and everything, like, and before you had to do, like, you know, by, by hand, and maybe those people that were doing by hand, when they saw, like, you know, Google, uh, sorry, like Excel or Google Sheet coming out, were like, ah, oh, I, might, I might have to, you know, update my resume, right? But uh, that's, that, that's quite common. So, uh, and uh, do you have anything else on the AI that maybe it's, uh, you're, you said you're bullish on that. So is there anything else that you think people are not talking about, uh, but that you think uh, might be something, um, um, 
either insightful to share or something that maybe you noticed lately? Well, I, I kind of feel that there's always like this kind of connection between kind of design creativity and marketing and sometimes like creative types don't like to acknowledge it. But if you look, you know, like Adobe is a company, right? Like they started with kind of content creation app, they have a kind of creative cloud, but at some point if you will, they obviously, you know, kind of started to invest a ton in marketing cloud. So there is like a connection between, you know, assets and marketing, etc. And I think AI can like really change like how marketing is done, right? Because uh, when we kind of look at the kind of products that are emerging at the moment, like things like Justers and Copy AI, etc., it seems that you will be able, we will be able to like really streamline marketing, right? We'll able to like is a kind of creative type. You will be able to start with the idea, and the AI will be help you to basically to do everything, right? Like to flesh it out into kind of a copy and figure out like the Let's say if you want to run a campaign, what's kind of uh, how the campaign should be, kind of help you with the assets, etc. So I think it's going to have like a, kind of a really serious impact on how marketing is done, and it's going to kind of take a while to figure out all, all the implications, right? Uh, you know, like, and it always goes beyond marketing. I don't know if like you saw like all those like funny threads on Twitter where uh, kind of senators realize that an intern like wrote a speech for them using like GPT three. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It kind of begs the question: Why like, we need the senators and interns at all? If like, yeah, I can just like spell some stuff and then, yeah, know, yeah. No, but again, to... like also regulation is going to be interesting, as as you said. Like we we saw that before with like you know plagiarism in school because they were like this way to spin text, and now like it's going to be the same about and and this is going to be like faster regulation is going to be like slower as usual they're always going to be like we saw that with influencer marketing with with everything like you know these things go super fast every day there is a new app new thing but then regulations are just slower because it's the is the type of like you know uh where, where they are so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happened there but uh before we go to uh final q a there is going to be a bit more more about you so that the person behind the company but uh, uh it's going to be super quick but uh anything else that i there are even either like asking you today or anything else that you want to maybe go more in depth on today's conversation. At least kind of from kind of company perspective, the things that we're kind of excited the most at the moment are to figure out how to give creators opportunities to monetize. We already kind of covered branded templates and paid templates and obviously AI. Like, uh, Maybe like one kind of conceptual idea how we think about AI internally is that we feel that AI, first of all, can help take like existing tools that we have and elevate their visual quality. It obviously also lends itself to completely new tools. And there are like new products to be built uh, kind of on top of the AI. And uh, again, like at the moment, I just like feel that we're start starting to scratch the surface of what's possible there. But yeah, anyhow, like these two things are kind of yeah, that's, uh, I mean, especially really after doing this like for 10 years, so you need all the time, maybe something that excites you, right? Like something, like, what, what is next? What is next, right? <laughs> that you wake up in the morning. For sure. Like it's, uh, it's actually exactly that. I kind of, uh, you know, like, I, I don't remember myself kind of coming before kind of my usual time to office in order to kind of catch some time to do some kind of programming myself to explore these ideas. Like that didn't happen. <laughs> 
for a long, long time, but now, yeah, like with this AI box. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So thanks really AI also to give you, not just like new, new things happening there, but for entrepreneurs to have uh, the energy, right? To, uh, no, but uh, jokes apart. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. Uh, it was it was such a pleasure to learn from, from you about what you built. Again, congratulations on what you built. has been, imagine, such a journey, right, so far. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, good of luck, especially with AI, that I know that you're super passionate about it. So I will follow, right, what Lightrix is going to create in that, because I'm pretty sure you're going to create something super cool. And uh, for everyone that is listening today, we had a great, uh, you know, guest in, in the past. Uh, we had Zeb today that shared with us a lot of insightful uh, things. And in the future, we're going to have more. So if you're listening today and you haven't subscribed yet, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, we are everywhere, so you can do that. So we're gonna, you know, like update on the on the new episode. Uh, again, this was the Influence Factor by the Influence Marketing Factory. Thank you so much, and I'm gonna see you in the next episode.